Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Proudly presented by worldpodcast.com. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everyone and welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. Every week we bring you insights into different areas of the professional video industry. This week we're going to be looking at 3D, character design, character animation. It's going to be a packed full episode of good information for you. We're even going to have table tennis, cigarette smoking robots. So let's jump into it right now. Thank you so much Dan Brown and Daniel McKay for coming into the studio today. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, thank you. So I'm just going to ask each of you, take a couple of minutes, explain who you are and how you fit in the industry. So Brownie, I'm going to call you Brownie. <laughs> Go on then. <laughs> it surprises me how many episodes I've had where I've had two guests with the same name. I've had John and John. <laughs> true, true, yeah. Yep, so right. we've got Dan and Dan, so we'll go with Brownie, uh, Daniel, Dan Brown. Do you mind telling the listeners about your background and what you do in the video industry? Sure. Um, so yeah, so I'm Dan Brown. I'm um, managing director at a company called Studio Local um, here in um, Auckland, in the mighty K Road. Awesome, awesome. And Daniel McKay, how about you, mate? How do you fit in? Uh, good question. Um, I have, uh, so I'm working as a um, 3D generalist and motion graphics designer at uh, Toybox. Uh, I've been there for about uh, four and a half years now. And uh, yeah, that's, that's me. I'm really stoked to have you guys on because my biggest source of inspiration this year has been on Instagram. McKay, like your Instagram feed is just outstanding, mate. Oh, thank you. That's very nice of you to say. I'm just blown away with the speed modeling. I'm like, how the are you doing this and the time that you're doing at the level that you're doing? It's just incredible. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's um, you probably relate to this, but uh, the day-to-day job can get pretty tedious sometimes and um, if you're living it up in retail heaven and then uh, you know sometimes you feel like you're just going to your usual tricks uh, on certain jobs and so when you get home for me that's uh, a time when you can really um, uh, explore different techniques and new programs software Um, and again like you say looking through other people's Instagram profiles and that and just getting inspiration from uh, some amazing 2D concept art, that sort of thing. I just, uh, for probably five or six years now, really started getting quite heavily into ZBrush. Uh, and yeah, like I said, the evenings have started to become a bit of a ritual for me for just playing around with different ZBrush sculpting techniques uh, and and a bit of a balance between some of my own personal work and getting, like I said, inspiration from other concept artists and having a crack at modeling some of their works and and it's funny too sending through finished uh, 3d sculpts to uh, those people who you've gained inspiration from and getting really positive feedback from them just uh, you know when you get positive feedback on your work you really you know, it keeps the ball rolling so to speak yeah yeah art inspiring art inspiring the loop continues on yeah yeah it's it's awesome that this industry and the developments of social media being able to connect so easily with Absolutely. others doing the same thing mm. yeah brownie mate mate you've had an epic year bro with the <laughs> film i'm like wow it's looking so good so 
for the listeners, do you mind sort of talking about 21 points and what that project's been all about for you? Sure. So um, I, we started the studio uh, back in 2012. Um, I'd been overseas working at uh, other film studios, um, BBC, um, a lot of uh, other mill <coughs> and a few other um, smaller shops and then decided um, at that point that I'd had enough of doing film work and I wanted to come back to New Zealand and uh, uh, met up with a friend of mine who was an animation director. And um, at that point in time I um, was considering going back to work at Weta. I think at the time um, they were working on Superman and The Hobbit. So I went in for um, a meeting with them and um, they offered me a job and then the day later I just happened to bump into um, a f- my friend, the director, Pete Circuit, and um, he said, oh man, it's so good to see you here and um, you know, what, what are your plans? And I said, well, I just had this meeting at Weta and think about going back and um, the other thing I'd like to think about is maybe starting a, um, you know, a, a studio for myself, just a you know, pipe dream kind of thing. And um, he said, well, let's have a conversation about that second option. And then um, so we met up and had a few um, gins, and <laughs> as, you <do. laughs> as you do, and decided, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a risk and, and, um, and you know, try. I was still young back then and, and thought, you know, this is time to do it. And so, yeah, we started up the, the, the company. Um, the thing is, though, when you start off a company in, in Auckland, because it's so small, you, you kind of have to earn your place. And um, we sort of found felt that you know we, we, we had one commercial off the bat in which we helped us establish ourselves but um the following year was was quite tough it was pretty brutal to be honest and um uh, we decided well you know if we can't make um commercials and um earn money we'll, we'll you know start make, um, writing the script for our, for our film and so um yeah we wrote the script we submitted it to the new zealand film commission and um they gave us gave us the funding and um, we thought great and then um, we were underneath the sweet shop at the time um, for those who don't know who the sweet shop is they're uh, one of the I guess well known production companies in New Zealand and so we had a few contacts with them and they introduced us to um, Robin, Sh- Robin Scholes who's uh, the producer of um, Ones of Warriors and also um, Andrew Adamson who's um, uh, the mastermind behind Shrek and um, Narnia films um, and then, so yeah, he's, he was keen on it, um, and he jumped on board. And then, um, yeah, that was 2013, and then it took us um, right up to, to date. To um, we shot it last year in, in May, and um, yeah, I think it took us that long just because we were, we were putting it, picking it up, putting it back down between jobs, um, paying the bills, and also um, the big thing um, about the film is that um, it, it's it's about a guy. In his mid-30s, he's living at home with his mum and it explores um, the concept that maybe he's a wee bit unhinged. Um, you know, we all know those people in the community that, you know, you talk about them, you know about them. I think there was, there was Blanket Man and Wally and Speedy down in, in Dunedin and he's just one of those guys and uh, the film explores his, his existence. And, um, yeah, the thing, the thing that makes him um, extraordinary and sticks out is that he has an imaginary six-foot robot as his best friend and has had that friend since he was five and um we were lucky enough to get some good casting for it um we had um josh thompson as um, our lead who plays alan um robin uh sorry ron glenn as uh, who plays gary the robot and robin malcolm who's um who's mum yeah it's it's an amazing um 
piece and we'll have links to all the work that we talk about today so check out the show show notes for those um you know fitting in these passion projects after work around jobs um it's a sign of people who are just passionate and operating at the next level and I'll be honest, you guys intimidate the heck out of me because the work you guys are producing is outstanding. And so I want the listeners to go have a look at what we're talking about, even pause for a few minutes to get an idea about what we, what work these guys are producing because it is next level, top shelf, awesome. Thank you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. So um, we've known each other for a while now, guys, because we studied at the same place, which was School of Design in Wanganui. So, man, we won't date ourselves. It was a wee while ago. <laughs> it sure was, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just going all the way back to the start of your career, I remember you guys really vividly, because it's such a small school back then, and it was quite an intimate in the different years. I was um, maybe a couple of semesters ahead of you. But um, I definitely remember hanging out having beers at the local pubs and just like yeah it was such a cool time in my memory hard hard yards hard work but some real fun times so how was it for you guys studying in a small town in rural New Zealand really it's not even really a city (laughs) Wanganui so what is your your memories McKay of those times um yeah uh gosh Wanganui that is going back a long time um the thing I liked about studying in Wanganui is because there wasn't much else to do outside of our little um, a little bubble that yeah. we were in, um, uh, I guess it allowed you to focus on the work and it became a lot about the people you were spending you know, days and nights with. In most cases, we were pulling all-nighters and that sort of thing, which yeah. uh, you really built up those really strong friendships and... Um, yeah, in that respect, I guess I guess it was great. Like I, I could only imagine studying these days in Auckland. You'd have so many. Um, there's so much going on and so many distractions and that yeah. sort of thing. Um, I actually think we were very lucky, even though everyone complained all the time about <laughs> having no pubs to go to and that sort of thing. So yeah, uh, again, that's you know the house parties were fantastic because that's, that's yeah. All we, had. <laughs> we used to have all the different years there as well. That's what I really liked. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. If we're in Wellington or Auckland, our bigger cities, um, you'd you'd just be in your own year and your own little cliques. Mm. But there's so much integration across the board. And and I think your point is bang on. Uh, there was so much less distractions. The attitude and the mindset and the hard work that we all put in, we partied hard, but we worked bloody hard mm, too. Absolutely. That definitely um, is reflective of everybody's career when you look at where everyone's ended up. And everyone's ended up in really really solid places too. Yeah, I think that's testament to the um, to the quality of the of the Wanganui Design School at that time. Mm. Um, I remember leaving high school and, and wanting to do something with computers and design and I travelled the length of the country and um, and Wanganui had hands down the best the best course. Yeah. Um, so that that pretty much nailed it on the head for me. I was there. Yeah, I remember in high school I was gonna do architecture and my um, graphic design tutor at the at high school has said you should check out this school i've had a, another student go there and it's like really top top notch and i hadn't really thought of graphic design as a career choice 
But then when I looked into it, and I also looked at the other courses as well, it was outstanding. And you had to go through quite an ordeal to get a place because mm. the places were limited. And you had to submit a portfolio and do some exercises. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember old, that. <laughs> the old paper, you had a piece of paper and had to do something with it and make it. I think That's I made right. mine into a 3D sculpture where it all folded up. And yeah, I, I remember those early projects so vividly because um, you felt like you earned the right to sit at that table with some really top notch tutors who had come over from the States mm. or Europe and who I think were doing a little bit of a. A break from the uh, you know the industry that was pretty grinding for them, mm. but the school attracted some really great tutors mm. at that time. Yeah, and top class students as well. You know, mm. you know, almost everyone there was was top class. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's um, it was interesting because the course that we did at that time it was um, degree in computer graphic design. Design was the fundamental there, though. Everyone was coming from it with the foundation of design. And then they all sort of ended up going off onto different um, paths, whether that was print design or interactive, the old CD-ROM design. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Director. Director, that's right. Was it Macromedia? Macromedia Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Before Adobe obliterated them. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was um, video, and I was like, I really enjoyed video because you didn't have to sit down at the printer waiting for oh, your prints to yeah. <laughs> join the queue right yeah, yeah. exactly or yep. that that one little zip drive hub oh yeah yeah and yeah. everyone yeah, if someone had a huge photoshop file you were backed up for like half an hour yeah. waiting for it to so is that one jerk <laughs> <laughs> yeah and just um so many fond memories of um the late nights with everyone but also i remember for a computer graphic design course we had one photoshop class for the whole first semester mm. and that was the only time we touched the computer the rest of the time, it was about understanding design principles, theory, gestalt yeah. theories, color color theories. Um, who knew that color would become such a huge, important part Absolutely. of our work? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, bang on. And it's kind of, um, I think that we were super, super lucky to have that foundation um, and all the pieces that built such a solid foundation at that. Then when new technologies come along, like the 3D that we all ended up going into, mm we could just utilize that design and their fundamentals. So um, you've both gone into quite heavy sort of focus of design, motion design, but with 3D as a core part of your workflows. So do you mind sort of just sharing the type of tools and um, the kind of work that you're producing day to day as well? So Yeah, um, cool. I think it's important to go back actually. And, um, and the first time that we uh, experienced 3D was at Wanganui. And the first course that we took was in third year. We had to wait until th- year three to actually get to 3 Was that with electric three. image still? Yeah. Way back, yeah, uh, I remember you... You had to start with electric image. Yeah, it's yeah. a piece yeah. of crap of software. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I was pulling my hair out. Yeah. Great was that with Sorry? Uh, was it the tutor? Was that Sersha? Uh, I can't remember who that? took the third year, but... Um, we had an Irish um, tutor and she taught us. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it wasn't until, um, I think I bumped into you outside we, back in the days when we were smoking cigarettes. Yeah. And uh, you were telling me about um, Maya and... and um, and that's sort of got me intrigued. And I think I even came up and saw you on the on the third floor because um, we were not allowed to go, but you invited me up and showed me Maya and I just thought, well, this is a lot better than electric image. Yeah. And, um, and, but you couldn't take that. You couldn't take Maya until 
postgrad. Post yeah, which was crazy. Yeah. yeah, but you know, the, I can kind of understand why because the, the equipment was so expensive back then. We're on the, in the SGI. The O2 boxes. Yeah. They yeah. were, oh my God. Like, how much would they have cost? They were a significant investment by the school. And the software wasn't cheap either back then. No, no. My was what, 25 grand? A, yeah, a, a, a license. Pop? And yeah. I remember there was maybe six, maybe eight seats of it and that's right yeah. and you had to wait for your turn and, and you had to book it in yeah that's right <laughs> coming in at four o'clock in the morning some crazy time just so you could work for your you know three hour four hour slot yeah, yeah it was crazy i had adrian lawrence who was a really good friend of mine through the all you know we were flatmates and really good friends and um we would basically i'd go in from 11 o'clock at night through till six in the morning and he'd be coming at six in the morning oh, and going crazy. through till like midday. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, I remember sort of tag teaming with Shira Machine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like the time that it took to render, really simple stuff too. Just, uh, and, and it was always at the end of a project when you've got to deliver. And I remember Michael Wong was our tutor back mm, That's then. right, yeah. And I did my first full character animation and um, – I was going to render and my whole project file corrupted and it was like I just like lost the plot because I'd had all these late nights and he went in there and stripped it out in text format <laughs> stripped out my project file from text code and rebuilt it so that I could open up my scenes wow. to, to, to render it out in time for the graduation presentation what a legend <laughs> I hope you brought him some beers yeah yeah <laughs> I think um, that guy eh, he was he was such a knowledge a fountain of knowledge but such an amazing person and how he respected and worked with us through those years yeah That's i've got fond memories of of michael yeah uh, I, uh, and i was just going to chime in there um that that raised a really good point too that how important the tutor's knowledge was at that point because yeah. yes we had internet but we had books we didn't we didn't <laughs> have the the youtube tutorials no. and the, anything like that and i can still remember everyone chipping in to get digital tutors dvds sent over from the oh, states right yeah and then a, a copy would arrive and, you know, we would all share it around and yeah. soak up this these little tidbits of knowledge that otherwise you just you didn't really know about, you know. It's, yeah, yeah, someone like Michael who dedicated his life pretty much and just had so much knowledge about every area, whether it was doing um, particle sims, which were pretty clunky, or modelling or texturing, all of it. He was such a bank of knowledge. He was, yeah. I can still remember uh, ambient occlusion, just seeing that for the first time and being like, oh my God, that's, that's next level stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's, welcome to the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, it was interesting because I still f remember we did character um, rigging training and it was through Maya and um, through Autodesk and they sent everybody um, named books that you had to go through all the steps nice. of, of the process. And completing that and going, wow, character rigging's hard. <laughs> Super hard, yeah. I, I think my first rig didn't even have um, control you know, points. It was just moving bones yeah. in, in FK. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until you know, years later that I worked out you know, IK and actually creating a rig you know, with controllers that you could apply attributes to. But geez, yeah, I think you know, in, that, in that fourth year, that, that postgrad, because we had to write a thesis as well and yeah. learn Maya and do a film. Oh, it was a lot to do. Masters, eh? Um, honors, honors, yeah. honors. Sorry, and then masters because I just did the post grad, so I could not have to do the thesis. Just do it in bulk. <laughs> I was, I was just like just doing because I was also really interested in video at the same time. So I was with the um, with editing and filming. So the thesis was a heavy duty for you guys doing the honors on top. 
and and Maya's no small package. It, it's no. it's a huge huge um, bit of software, and yeah. to do uh, a thesis that you know that was half your mark was yeah. was the thesis. So um, yeah, there wasn't much eating or sleeping going on that that final year. Mm. A lot of no dos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and chocolate coated uh, coffee beans yeah, was the that's other right. staple. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, yeah, yeah. Um, I just remember how exhilarating the graduation was. You know, because you definitely felt like you earned. We that. really, yeah, felt like you deserved that one. It yeah. was a lot of a lot of hours. It'd be interesting to see actually how many hours were clocked in. For I don't know. No matter how much work you put in, the it was always that all nighter the night before um, your presentation and you'd be up at that presentation just not really knowing what you were talking about because you're half asleep (laughs) yeah and then you'd go home and hit the bed and sleep for 24 hours but yeah yeah i remember finishing and then weighing myself afterwards and i was down to 69 (laughs) kg there's nothing left of me and not much has changed no (laughs) well (laughs) well a few extra kgs there Uh, yeah, I'm definitely nowhere near that. But anyway, moving on, <laughs> moving on. So um, after after leaving Wanganui, what were the next sort of steps in your guys' careers, career paths? McKay? Uh, yeah, so after uh, after leaving Wanganui, well, actually, that was quite an interesting one because I can remember at the time when we were studying, we got um, uh, told of all these really... Um, uh, positive stories about you know you'll get paid five hundred dollars an hour for doing Photoshop retouching. Oh, there's so much bull stuff going around yeah. about prices and you know oh you'll come out in six figures straight from school. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and so you, you sort of come out. We were a little bit um, optimistic, I guess. Well, at yeah. least I was with some of the choices I might have in front of me. But um, it, it was yeah a little bit slow going, and I, I guess not much has changed in that, especially now these days, because there is so many more people in our industry and. You're all competing for that foot in the door position, and it's that same old catch twenty two where if you haven't had the experience, the professional experience, then it's harder to get a look in and that sort of thing. Um, uh, so shortly after graduating from Wanganui, I moved to Melbourne, and uh, it took me a little while, but again, not really knowing what I wanted to do with the three D knowledge I had, I ended up getting a job working in um, live television, live, live sporting graphics uh, television. And uh, I mean, you will have seen it, but you know when you watch the cricket and you've got the scores pop up on little um, lower third bars and that sort of thing. Um, I, I was working on that, and I worked on that for a solid uh, three or so years, working in out, uh, outdoor broadcasting vans and that sort of thing getting yelled at by the director because a computer crashed it just stuff completely out of my control but um it wasn't really until I moved to uh London uh shortly after that um and again I started out at Sky TV and working with those live um uh, presentation graphics on on the news and that sort of thing that I was looking around for other work and I just I went for a position that was more motion graphics based and more um, um, yeah After Effects Maya um, combination and got a job working at Spolv uh, in London and they um, I remember being a incredibly scared because I felt very out of my depth they were working on Call of Duty cutscenes and that at the time so they had that going on we uh, I was working on a a nature documentary, one of those classic uh, ones you see all the time, um, with the little uh, diagram 
little scenarios that they cut to every now and then. And but uh, it was there really that I got this um, pinch of excitement watching these guys working on the other side of the studio, working on the Call of Duty stuff. That it was like, wow, that's the 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 real nuts and bolts of what I really want to get into. Uh, and from there. Um, the the ball started rolling really started freelancing with uh, a bunch of uh, companies um managed to uh find a permalance position pretty much with a company called flock um and i just came on board with them they were a small startup company and um they've since uh, i still follow them but they've done really well now um, but it was just a great time. They were a great bunch of guys and just really evolved my skills in that over the, over the time with, with them. Um, and then just before leaving London, I did a small stint at Territory Studio with Brownie. And I mean, at that point, they were just uh, three guys in a room, but uh, it was working on the Killzone PlayStation cutscenes. And um, yeah, now they're like a 60 plus man band and multi-level studio working on Blade feature Runner films and, that, yeah. you know like all yeah amazing stuff uh and then and then yeah and then moved back to New Zealand shortly after having a child and um started with a freelance gig at Toybox and um just so happened that the motion graphics guy at the time was uh moving to Berlin and so I got slotted in with a three-month position in his position and then became full-time Toybox is an outstanding post-production company that does just amazing work and is the backbone of Auckland, uh, one of the standout companies. And they also have um, uh, animation division as well, don't they? Well, we do, yeah. They, they cover a whole broad spectrum of um, post-production um, bits and pieces. Uh, um, and, yeah, and it's, it's just been really great working there because... Um, They've given us the freedom for um, if we're wanting to explore uh, new software and that sort of thing. And if, uh, you know, those conversations are always open to if we think we can improve a, a workflow, that sort of thing, um, they're not afraid to, you know, okay, let's have a crack at this and invest in, in the hardware and software that needs to be implemented. And Which um, is vital for a company to keep moving forward. Uh, absolutely, yeah, especially these days with... You know the advances of GPU rendering and um, like gaming engines like Unreal and that sort of thing. Uh, you'd be crazy not to be at least experimenting with some of those uh, bits and pieces. You're yeah. doing more than experimenting, mate. <laughs> I'm stalking your Instagram. You're making beautiful <laughs> scenes in Unreal. You're building me up too much here. <laughs> no, man. Like own it, own it. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's very nice of you to say. But uh, you know, I mean, again, touching on what you said before. Um, just you know, it's it's very easy to to do if you feel really passionate about it, and yeah. you put in the time to really get to know something, and um, and and you know you look up to the people you admire and see what they're doing that's working, and apply it to your own work, and yeah, it's yeah achievable. I, using Unreal for for scenes um, that you've been creating, they look so beautifully rendered, and I'll have links to all of this work. But um, I've even seen feature films that have started to come out that mm. have been built up in Unreal. You know, it's a completely different approach than what has historically happened. 
How about you, Brownie? As have you sort of like had a look at VR? Or is it just really about building a solid business with the with the content that you're producing at the moment and getting um, good client base? Where are you at with? I mean, yeah, that's the start of it. But um, yeah, no, listen, we we we're happy to explore um, new technology all the time, and we have looked into into VR um, and Unreal. Um, we recently did uh, a piece where we looked at Unreal for Previs. We think that's a, a tool that it's going to get used more and more, especially with the um, um, real-time element. You know, being able to do that on set um, is, is a huge um, step in the right direction. Yeah, and I can imagine um, giving uh, actors that visual feedback and the, the VFX and compositing work that is in your in, um, studio locals work is outstanding. But it must be so helpful for actors moving to this new era where they're actually seeing what they're acting against rather than having a stand-in, which is really cool, but actually, um, yeah, must raise it up another bar as well. It does, yeah. Um, when we shot 21 points, um, the mocap suit that we had, um, it's completely um, op- it's non-optical, so it doesn't need cameras. It's... it's um it's a suit that you put on. It has little nodes, a bit like what you have in your cell phone. So it, it takes um, the rotations and um, accelerations of your joints, and sends that through wirelessly to uh, um, via you know um, a mobile phone to a laptop. What that allows us to do is that for one of the scenes, for example, we were capturing our um, actor walking through Vic Park with no cameras and, and the length of you know that underpass. Yeah. Um, whereas before, you know, we we had an optical solution. We used um, software called um, iPies, I think, iPiesoft, um, which basically was an array of uh, PlayStation cameras, which was recording at 60 frames a second. But the thing was is that you were restricted to a volume of space. So um, that was out of the question. We couldn't take a rig like that on set and, yeah. and record on the go. And the upside to that was that we could have Ron, who was playing the robot, uh, in scene talking um, with... Um, Josh and and we have to have that performance of it, both of them being in in camera at the same time, and having that active listening, which really sells the shot rather than having an empty plate or or an actor just off camera, you know, reaching for the lines. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so interesting to hear that the um, mocap has advanced so much. I haven't dealt with it for quite a long time, but I remember the cleanup was massive on the mocap data. To be, and um, the offset of the joint location was always a real pain. So has, we, I haven't even looked at it for quite some time. So is it at that level where it's really usable on set now? It's, um, I mean, it still has to be cleaned up when it comes back to the studio, but the the feedback that we're getting um, on set is it's pretty good, I have nice. to say. Yeah, you know, you don't look at it and go, ooh, um, we better do another couple of takes in case, you know, we get the right or wrong um capture um you can see live what's happening on your laptop as the, as the performing um so you can tell whether or not straight away whether you've got a good capture and and nine times out of ten it's it's pretty clean that's amazing to hear that that must just help so much to feel confident that you've got got it being able to see that on set um so you know the same with digital cinematography <laughs> those times of like going is the shoot shoot good yeah 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 <laughs> that that fear of getting back into um post and going uh yeah what have we got here yeah no. i guess um like um digital uh, photography and, and uh, vigority it's um mocap gives you that that 
opportunity to have, I guess, more kicks at the can. You know, you can, yeah. um, and the turnover is pretty fast. Um, you know, mocap definitely has its place. Um, it's not it's not suitable for everything, um, but it definitely gives you more opportunities to explore ideas and um, and throw out the good ones and keep the. Um, so what I say, throw out the good ones and keep the bad ones. Other way around. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Moving on to um, some other work that Studio Local's done. I really love the um, paddle pop work. There's some outstanding character design and character animation in that. And there's a few different executions that you've got on your site as well. With um, Yeah, I'll have a link to this work as well. Do you mind sort of sharing um, what that project was about and the process of designing the characters and then taking them all the way through to animation render? Yeah, that was an interesting project. Um, we got approached from Passion Pictures in um, Sydney um, for this job, and it was a collaboration job with another studio in Stockholm called uh, Milford. So we were given um, the characters. Um, I'd say we probably got half the characters. They modelled and um, designed designed those characters, and we had the other half. So they were doing three commercials. We were doing three commercials. And... Um, uh, yeah, so the the issue was was that they had a completely different pipeline to us, um, different renderer, um, different three D tools. I mean, we were both using Maya, but they were using um, Houdini um, for the renderer, using Mantra, and we were using um, Redshift. It was our first exploration into using Redshift, which is a, a GPU renderer. Yeah, so just buying um, our license today, actually. Well, yeah, <laughs> we never look back. Yeah, never look back. No, it's it's a great technology. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, the, I guess the biggest um, um, roadblock for us, or the biggest gotcha, was that um, all of these characters, or m- mainly all of them, had um, fur on them. And uh, the, um, Milford were using Houdini for their fur system, and we were using uh, a plugin for Maya called Yeti. And um, luckily enough, I think that week when we got the Redshift license, someone had um, come up with the um, plugin for Yeti to make it renderable. And, and, and the gods yeah. aligned. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, it was a fun. It was a fun uh, uh, series of commercials to work on, and um, they look exquisite. Really, oh, thanks, man. Really yeah, good. really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I've been working in Cinema 4D uh, in recent years. I was so resistant to going to Cinema 4D. I think when you learn and are capable in a software package like Maya, <laughs> it feels. <laughs> Like, no, (laughs) I I worked hard to be in this. But then with Cinema 4D, the ease of getting things done in a few steps rather than knowing the 10 steps to get to the same point, Mm. it was really obvious for the type of work that we are producing. And um, then motion designers just across the board have really taken it on board. And then for us moving to PCs this year and GPU rendering... It's like a whole new world. It's a lot of change for you. A yeah. lot of change, yeah. <laughs> and going, okay, time to learn Octane because um, Redshift has been in beta for a long time and now it's out of beta. It's like, right, time for Redshift. Yeah. Chomping at the bit <laughs> to yeah. get into Redshift now. Yeah. 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 So what sort of renderers and um, packages are you using at the moment? Yeah, so it's quite interesting. We were talking, I was talking about this earlier with Brownie, but... Um, so uh, Toybox is a recent convert to Redshift as well. And um, 
uh, we're still in early phases. We've rendered out a few projects using Redshift, but um, it's, again, alluding back to those initial explorations and just starting small and getting everyone's head around a new renderer and that sort of thing takes a bit of time. So there's been a small investment in the hardware and that, but as everyone becomes more comfortable, we'll slowly make that shift. Um, the the other render that has been used uh, was V-Ray, um, and, and I still love my old mental ray. Um, True. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, there's time and a place for all those guys, but yeah. There's he, a look for every renderer. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah. Um, no, but um, uh, but more recently it's been quite interesting. Um, uh, a project I'm working on uh, at Toybox at the moment, uh, I'm acting as production designer on, and it's quite an epic um Unfortunately, can't see too much about it because of the NDA thing and all that. But no one's listening. Yeah, but it's a it's it's this epic undertaking, and um, and it's been quite interesting because rather than the sort of more retail stuff I'm used to doing, um, or the, the corporate sort of uh, that sort of thing, um, it's it's become more like concepting and um, uh, character design, prop design, environment design. Every, you name it, we have to design it. And what's um, become very useful for me is using Unreal um, as a concepting tool because to have that real-time uh, water, volumetric lighting, um, uh, glossy reflections, that sort of thing, to have that real-time and be able to adjust the time of day and just see it all happening and then render out a 4K image in uh, like a second. It's, you yeah. know, I mean, you just, you, you can't compete with that. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, whether or not you take it to another process and paint over it and that, uh, again, it just gives you that really good um, foundation for building concepts on. Um, the other one that I use quite a bit these days is Mumset Toolbag, which is just a beautiful renderer. It's it's really fantastic, and it's it's great for testing out your your shaders and that to materials and textures and um, seeing how they're going to hold up in different lighting situations. Yeah. yeah. Materials and textures. Yeah. I'm loving that. And following your Instagram, McKay, um, I learned about Quixel, which I hadn't known about before. Right. Yep. So um, Quixel is um, for building up textures, and you can use it inside of Photoshop. And um, do you mind sort of ex- explaining to the listeners what that package is about? Yeah, sure. Um, so so the, I think there there is a few on the market now, but particularly Quixel and Substance Designer have emerged as um, sort of becoming industry standard now. It's used a lot in um, uh, in gaming and uh, studios and that sort of thing. Um, and it's based on um, scanned textures, basically, that um, uh, you you bring in your, your OBJ that's, uh, or whatever, 3D format that's UV'd, and you start with... Um, uh, a collection of presets basically that cover everything from like your weathered metals or wood or you name it there's something there that's close to what you're looking for um, and then you have the ability to um, uh, mask out certain areas depending on your uh, ambient occlusion or cavity maps um, uh, it's I mean it's fantastic it just takes out a lot of that um, it's all based off um, the concept of PBR Physical based rendering, right? Correct. So it's yeah. all it's all based on like metal has a roughness aspect or a speckle aspect. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And um, and it's just great that 
um, it's built for the workflow. So you can create presets of um, metals or whatever that you're creating, and then they can be applied for future reference. Um, just adds a lot of speed to the workflow yeah and yeah. that's what we're all trying to get to at the moment <laughs> it's optimizing speed and getting the art out yeah. um pbrs i've been digging into them quite a lot lately so i've become a huge fan of polygon oh, yeah, I've them. yeah yeah because website isn't it yeah it's, it's quite well laid out really solid amount of um content too for the different um types of materials yeah yeah so yeah um, but the PBR workflow also carries through to um, Unreal as well, yeah, isn't it? Correct. The yeah. thing I like about Unreal, though, it's it's free. You can download it. Like yeah, anyone yeah. can download yeah. it. And um, we were actually um, um, scrolling the internet uh, earlier in the week, and we came across a Kiwi guy, and I think he used to work at October. I, I, okay. so, apologies, I don't know his name, but he um, he created a children's television show based in Unreal, mm. and um, he's just done it at home on his own computer, and it looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Um, I'll try and I'll try and put in the link. I think cool. that the name of the show was um, Morgan Lives in the Rocket House or something okay. like that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you guys should definitely check it out. It's it's worth a look. Oh, sweet man. Um, any any cool links to cool content? That's what we're all about. So let's perfect segue now into the pro video <laughs> picks. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for the pro video picks. So, guys. Each week we'd like to ask you some questions to share with the audience some inspiration and things that you find valuable. I think it's really useful for everybody to sort of um, build up their arsenal of inspiration or resources or tools or just things to think about even. So um, Brownie, mate, what would be your pro video pick? Uh, my pro video pick would be a, a script uh, that I use all the time in Maya uh, as, a, as an animator I'm always looking for ways to speed up um, the process. And um, the script's called Keyframe MP. And it's essentially um, a video player. Um, on the surface, it's, it doesn't look any different to um, VLC or any other ones um, that you can find um, online. But the difference uh, with this one is that it's, it's a script that you can sync with the video player. So you can have it open on another monitor and you can scrub the timeline in Maya and it will scrub the video as well nice. um this is perfect for um people who are doing facial expressions you know um lip sync animation you know you can record yourself do the line play it back and see the mouth shapes and then be able to key those those certain um shapes awesome. uh, to the to the to the audio yeah. yeah, no more play blast. No more play blast. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's got a play blast, man. <laughs> Sweet, bro. Okay, McKay, what's your pro video, pro um, video pick? I can't even say my own show. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for me, um, yeah, I mean, inspiration is always um, uh, a, a key thing to be on the lookout for. And for me, I mean, you just can't go past ArtStation. It's, uh, it's, just uh, that too is becoming a bit of an industry standard for uh, especially for like the gaming industry and that sort of thing but even Weta now have their own dedicated page where they put up concepts from movies and that sort of thing and uh, I mean the the quality of work on that website is incredible and it's just a great place I usually start the day just with looking what's trending um and, and the nice thing about it is it isn't all like scantily clad females in skimpy armor and that sort of thing it's a really nice mix of um you know you've got uh photo real 3d renderings you've got uh 2d a lot of 2d concepting stuff really 
uh, cartoon style, you name it, it's there. And that's, yeah, just a great, great reference for inspiration. Um, and the other one that I follow quite a bit too is the Collective Podcasts. Old Ash Thorpe. Ash Thorpe, yeah. I mean, the guy's an absolute hero. He does yeah. 101 things and, yeah, that's just another little feather. In I like to talk, cap. but he's on a next level. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's insane. And, um, and the quality of people who he talks to yeah. in that. Uh, again, it's just—it's always a little bit refreshing to hear people who are so high up in the industry. They—they they do battle the same things that you do. They—they they have same problems, hurdles. Um, yeah. It's yep. We all put our pants on one leg at a time. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to loop back to our earlier conversation. My pick this week is Polygon texturing site for PBR textures. Um, PBR it really with the GPU rendering. Oh, I'm in heaven, eh? Mm. Just chuck in some different ones and suddenly I've got real-time feedback of um, adding some scuffs to a reflective surface okay. or adding some bump. I was um, I took my five-year-old to Lego Ninjago mm. um, and he was just having a ball watching the movie and I was just like analysing all, <laughs> all of the displacement maps and all the, yeah. So Polygon, that's my pick for this week. Nice. Okay, so inspirational video. We like to share a piece of video content that listeners can check out, have a watch, and um, yeah, maybe be different to what they normally see. So, Brownie, do you have a video to share today? Yeah, so it's um, well, it's relatively old one now. It's from 2013, I believe. It's called Beans, and it's um, directed by um, LVC Avati, who's actually a uh, work colleague and mate from um, Double Negative Days. He um, since moved from the on to Cinesite. Right. And is produced by Amon Butler, who um, was my um, animation supervisor uh, at Double Negative You're as well. You're pretty well connected, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just, um, I was blown away. I mean, he, Avese, uh, is an amazing animator, and I've always looked up to him. And um, it was just nice to see him go away and, and, and direct something um, that was um, short, sweet, and, and bloody funny. Nice, nice. And McKay, what would be your inspirational video, mate? Um, yeah, so I, I shared a couple with you, but it's um, one of them was the um, the Overwatch cinematic trailers done by the guys at Blizzard, and uh, I mean those guys are I could just watch movies that are done like that. It's so beautiful, so beautifully rendered, animated, shot composition, everything is just fantastic about those. Um, and there's a whole series of them that uh, act as the background for each of the characters. Um, I've just put up one there that we've. Um, especially that we reference quite a lot. Uh, you know, when you're doing your initial pitches and that for stuff, you always have the high aspirations. and Yep, um, and then you've got to follow through and <laughs> yeah, reach them. That's it, yeah, time budget, all that starts to factor in. And yeah, you yeah end I've up the definitely loop. been there. Yeah. It's like, cool, we sold it in. And, oh, now we got to do it. Now you actually got to do it, that's it, yeah. Um, and the other one that I put up there too was um, uh, the cinematic trailer for Fortnite, which again, it's another... Um, a gaming cinematic trailer um, and this one is quite special because it was all rendered using Unreal nice. um, and uh, I mean again just absolutely beautiful the way it's rendered and that it really is sort of next generation stuff that that real time rendering yeah yeah uh, I'm feeling 
I don't know, overwhelmed. It's like I've got to get my head into Redshift and now I'm like wanting to get into Unreal. <laughs> There's yeah. always so much exciting stuff to, to keep us engaged and motivated in this industry. Mm-hmm. It's pretty uh, amazing. I think that's it though, right? Because there is so much new stuff coming out all the time. Um, we have to be quite picky about what we're actually going to invest time in yeah. to pick up and is this actually going to be worthy for me to learn uh, you know, because otherwise you just you can get really good at something for a few months and then everything else starts to slip by the yep. way. Yeah, it's very easy to get carried away, you know, yeah. especially, I mean, I feel like a kid in the candy store sometimes, you know, <laughs> mm. something comes out, I'm like, wow, let's get it, let's buy it. And then you just think yeah. about it and, um, you know, it won't really fit into our pipeline. So you do have to, to think about whether this particular program would, would, would fit the bill really. Mm. Yeah, I think we'll... We're all speaking here from experience. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when Red came out, I talked to Mike Seymour on the show he was on about this. Um, I learned everything about the Red workflow back in the days of Final Cut. We had to muck around with the QuickTime um, wrappers to, to get it in and all that. And I just didn't promote it enough that we were getting directors shooting on Red. So I didn't get to implement it. And then by the time we got the Red jobs on, everything had moved along. So, you know, it was so much easier. The red workflow had been sorted out. So that time and investment and knowledge, while it's not useless because it feeds into other areas of your knowledge, um, getting the most benefit out of what you're applying your time to learn is really key. And I think um, it comes with experience of um, not jumping and diving too deep too early, but knowing what's out there and what's happening and keeping an eye Mm. on things, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are lots of variations of programs coming out, but there's generally like an underlying trend yeah. of who to look for and which... Like Redshift was a pretty obvious one yep. for me because it already had such a big pickup in um, Autodesk and other um, 3D software that knowing that when that came out of beta, it was going to be widely adopted mm. quickly too. Yeah, well, I think it helped that it being a biased render as well. Yeah. The fact that you could cheat lights and, and manipulate it um, rather than an unbiased render where you're kind of limited. I mean, you do get sexy images out of an unbiased render, but having um, being limited to, to those certain lighting situations that you can't cheat on. I mean, 3D is all about cheating. I think... Um Commercial works all about cheating. <laughs> Whatever's going to get you <laughs> there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Okay. What's my inspirational video? Um, I was actually looking at the Autodesk 2017 reel. Autodesk is going to have a pretty outstanding reel, of course. But the page I'm going to show, which links and shows this work, also has a submission open for 2018 work. So if you're using Autodesk products and submit it. It's a pretty big audience that Autodesk has. So, yeah, check it out. There's some really well-known um, titles in that reel, but there's also a lot of work that you probably might not have seen. Outstanding work, but, yeah, very inspirational for me this week. And who are you guys following online? I'm always interested to see um, people who I follow, like you two, who you're following. So, Brownie, who are you following, mate? Um, I've been following um, on Instagram a guy called Goro Fujita. Sorry if I've pronounced that wrong, Goro. Um, but he he does um, uh, VR um, concept art um, using a software called Quill. Is that right? Quill. Yep. Quill, yeah, that's right. And um, it's just amazing to be able to see these um, paintings come to life. Um, one of the earlier pieces that he did um, was uh, an alien world um, where these two aliens uh, driving in a, in, a, in a car, and then you zoom in, 
and one of the aliens is holding a, a little orb in his hand and that's another world and you go into that world and it's all, you know, real-time camera. You can do it, go in any direction you want. Um, and just, there's not much detail in it, but just the lighting that he does, is it's just next level. Mm, they yeah. really are, they're beautiful. And they only take him 30 minutes. He does his 30-minute dailies and... Wow, I'd be stoked if I'd spent a month on one of them. Like they're, they're really nice. Yeah, yeah. Man, super jealous. Well, I'm I'm looking at your work and going, what you put this work out in two hours? But it's it's not the you know it's also the years of work that led up to you being able to apply that to it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm looking at your Instagram, McKay, going, how are you producing this and so fast? Yeah, well, and again, I mean, having a, a five-year-old daughter, you know, you've got to work quickly. So, <laughs> yeah, touche, mate. Touché. <laughs> um, um, Dan, what's your pick, mate? Uh, so I, oh, I've got a following. Yeah, I've got a few that I um, uh, follow on Instagram that I'm. I, I just absolutely love their work. Um, Gop Gap is one of them. Um, really quite cartoony styled work, but just uh the amount of uh character and personality and the and the color work and that and um his artworks are really beautiful worth checking out um and uh similar again lip uh comorella uh again on instagram uh works at passion pictures i think um but visual development sort of stuff and again just the little thumbnail sketches and compositions and that sort of thing really amazing what they can tune out so quickly um and then the final one was uh paul shadison uh and i'm not sure if i pronounced that right but um again a completely different style of work that's more um uh sort of cinematic he just worked on the animated prequel for blade runner he did some of the designs in that for that and um again like just working so quickly but creating stuff that just blows me away so yeah that's my picks awesome nice um following some of the 3d trends of today's episode i'm going to um do a shout out to raw and rendered on instagram um been following for quite some time it's quite some abstract um artwork and it's just beautiful and stunning and again it's the volume and quality of work that um has been produced here is outstanding I just don't know how you can output every day, especially when you've got a young family like we all have young kids. It's it's pretty taxing. It sure is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And congratulations. I haven't had a chance to say congratulations. Oh, to thanks, man. Yeah, thanks. Person. Yeah, not much sleep. Uh, I think I got about two hours last night, so uh, apologies if I've come across today as a wee bit zombie-like. But, um, no, not yeah, at thanks, all. You're man. looking good, man. <laughs> You're always looking suave and good, Brownie. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. <coughs> <coughs> oh, it goes without saying, McKay. Come on. <laughs> okay, and finally, where can the listeners follow you, Brownie? Um, well, my work's on, on the on the company, so um, yeah, just go to uh, studiolocal.tv. Um, and if you're interested in following um, uh, the film that we're about to finish, uh, it's uh, 21points.com. McKay, we can follow, we can we listen and follow you. Yeah, so um, Instagram is uh, Mobo Tito. Um, uh, that's an old freelancer name that just sort of stuck, uh, and that's a, a collection of uh, sort of everyday works or bits and pieces, explorations, experiments, and then more finished works you'd find on my art station. Which uh, again, if you search Mobo Tato, 
you'll find me under there. And then, of course, Toybox, which is um, the company I'm working for at the moment. Um, awesome. Yeah, yeah some um, great work on all of those sites I can vouch it so go check out all the links in the show notes on this episode there's no excuse for being inspired today because there's a lot of great content okay so I'm going to ask the listeners please 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 come to the Facebook group Pro Video Podcast every day putting out content there whether it's inspirational videos or it's freebies I love finding freebies and sharing it's, uh, sound effects um, VFX explosion packs 3D models, always putting content there. So if you're wanting to connect there, if you're wanting to be on the show, jump in there too and start messaging me. We've got some people coming up. I've started chatting to people in the group. And yeah, next thing, they're on a future show. So if you want to sort of highlight to the audience what you're doing, what you're about, join us at the Facebook group, Pro Video Podcast. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, the... Apple gods and their algorithms of weirdness and confusion. I have no idea what it's all about, but I know that if you leave a review, other people are going to find the show as well. If you could do that for me, I'll be so, so, so happy. Okay, thank you both so much for coming in to today. And it's been it's been such a buzz for me to have you on the show, funny, because we've been planning. You guys were on <laughs> February, the list right? I think right it was February. <laughs> yeah. Before I before I recorded any, it's like, hey, we'll get you in right early, and it's taken us a while. So thanks so much, Brownie and McKay, for coming in today. Pleasure. Thank you for having us. Awesome. All right, everyone out there, have a great week, and I'll catch you next week. All right, bye. Join the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Pro Video Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. 